name is Telimpelo Vilane. I'm from Swaziland, down in Sogo, where I was born and bred. My name is Tamara <laughs> Vilane, and I'm his wife. We are blessed with three beautiful children, two daughters and one son. I'm from Jeffers Bay, that's my hometown, which is um, located in, in the southern uh, part, southern west of South Africa. In 2015, I got married to this man. And um, before we got married, actually, we prayed a lot about where God really wants us to um, raise our children and where he's calling us. And Eswatini was definitely the place. AOH is abbreviation of Ambassadors of Hope. Um, we, we chose, rather, God gave us the word or the name Ambassadors of Hope because we, we wanted uh, something that will restore hope in the community. Adventures and Missions is, um, has grown to be this big um, organization in Eswatini. And they, they are focused, primarily their focus is at the care point. Ambassadors of Hope then comes as a bridge. That like we, we groom and we raise these young people, like we feed them at the care point, we disciple them and like all those things, but there's a certain age where we lose them somehow. That like they feel like, no, I'm, I'm too old to play with the kids at the care point now. I, I can't, I, I don't really need that. Our mission is to train character traits that honor God, serve people and empower self. And also like we, we want each and everyone to, to be able to stand on their own feet, trying to bring the message to them that we still need you, the country need you, you are the future of this country. AOH, the vision of Ambassadors of Hope, was actually birthed um, to my husband by God back in 2013. It was almost like I was pregnant also with this vision all these years, all my life. And when I met him, we gave birth to this, to this vision and it became part of me. And that is why we always say that Ambassadors of Hope is one of our babies at home. So how we nurture it, how we take care of it, it's part of us because it is what God has called us to do. It's just so exciting seeing Ambassadors of Hope growing. We've graduated three classes thus far and we're so excited to welcome our fourth class. Most of the students that come to our program, they have stories similar to our story. Like actually my, my father disowned me or was not sure that I'm his son before I was born. They separated with my mom and my mom passed away when I was like only 12 years. And I grew up without parents for two years. It was me and my two, my sister was two years older than me. So when I was 12, she was only 14. We stayed there up until I was adopted to another family. Even then, there was no father. It was just my aunt that I called my mom. <laughs> I love so much. Mm -hmm. I love her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, she gave me a second chance in life and a chance to prove myself to the world that I can do it. 
some came to us not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and they gave their life to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and like some they just come without direction and the families has really given up on them and like yeah. now they are pursuing life and the future looks bright to them and there's hope and that's all we are. Like to be in a place where they can heal from the past wound, where they can start seeing life in a different perspective. They can see beyond the horizon. They can see beyond the poverty, the death, and all the tragedies the country's going through. The fruits and the hope that we see in their face, it gives us hope as well. This year, 2020, we, our goal is to, we are trusting God for 30,000 US dollars for the program to run. They are there for eight months with us. So there's electricity bills, water bills, all those kind of, those kind of bills and sometimes local transportation. And there are many things involved. So like this 30,000 US dollars will go towards like running the program. So there is a link with Adventures and Missions. So um, when you go into the website, then you look for Ambassadors of Hope, and then you give to that, yeah. um, directly to that, and the money will come straight to Ambassadors of Hope. Yeah. We're not like working uh, normal jobs that we get paychecks or whatsoever because we are in this ministry, God called us into this and we are fully in it. So there's also a link for that, giving towards the villainous. To make it easy for us to focus on what God has called us, knowing that like the monthly needs are taken care of. God bless you. I am Telmbilo Villane. And I am Tamara Villane. And we, we are ambassadors of hope. Are you glad you came to church tonight or what? Man, I was standing down here next to uh, Pilo, who his full name is, and we're gonna work on that here tonight, okay? So can, can we just give it up for Tamara and Pilo being here with us tonight? Can we do that? Man. Um, how special this moment is. If you're newer here to Impact, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here. And welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. What you need to know is that for about 10 years, we've had a partnership with brothers and sisters on the other side of the world in Swaziland, or now Eswatini, um, on the continent of Africa, literally the opposite end um, of the world. And uh, this is the first time ever that we've had um, native missionaries, brothers and sisters from Eswatini in South Africa here. So we are just, I, I'm like, I'm elated. I just can't believe um, in the living flesh that you guys are here with us. And what an honor it is um, that you're here um, with us. You've been a part of our heart for such a long time. And I had the privilege about a year and a half ago getting to go and, and, um, and be on the mission team to go to Swaziland. I'm gonna use Swaziland and Eswatini interchangeably. I'm sorry, I just still do that. Okay, cool. All right, we're good on that. And got to visit Matabagini 
And what an incredible, um, life-changing um, place that is. Um, and that you, church, uh, have supported Matabagini for years and have supported Timbali women, have supported uh, adventures and missions. And now our hope is that uh, us, that we will rise up to support ambassadors of hope. Um, it's just so special. So I, I want us to learn uh, their names. So first say uh, Tamara. Tamara, that's pretty easy, okay? Now Pilo's name um, is actually spelled C E L I M. P-I-L-O. So it looks like Selim Pilo. But in uh, Siswati, when you say the first sound, they use these um, clicks. And so it sounds like this. I've been practicing all week, guys. So I just, okay. Sounds like this. Selim Pilo. Is that good? Oh, my word. Come on. Come on. Now I want us to try that together. So it's Selim Pilo. Selim Pilo. Okay. One, two, three. Let's try it again. Okay, let's try it. One, two, three. Lilim Pilo. Uh, that was better. I mean, it's kind of better. It was on par with your dancing. I mean, unbelievable. I was sitting over here and Mary and Tamara were up here like this. They're like dancing. And I looked off to the side. I was standing right there. And I looked off to the side. And I was like, wow, we are terrible dancers. <laughs> I mean, you're bad at dancing, guys. I mean, I don't know if you knew that, but... I'm glad that you went for it, and I hope that uh, you continue to just go for it um, and dance before the, you know, David danced undignified, and it looked pretty undignified in here, I'm just saying. So tonight, um, we are finishing up, there's a couple of things that we're doing, we're actually finishing up our series, Overcomer. Have you been here the last seven weeks for our Overcomer series? We have been journeying through my favorite, uh, my favorite book in the Bible, we've been journeying through Philippians. And we're ending the book of Philippians, this, Paul, this, this letter that Paul wrote to these dear brothers and sisters at another part in the world. Do you see similarities? Paul is writing to these dear brothers and sisters at another part of the world, and he's in prison. And the, the, actually the impetus for his letter, he wrote a lot of really good things that we've read through. But really the main reason for his letter to begin with, the catalyst for his letter was to thank them. Uh, most scholars think that it was actually originally just a thank you letter. It was a, a letter of gratitude. And so here, what we're doing, we're reading, we've been reading through this book, this thank you letter. We've, we've been allowed or had the privilege to peer in 2000 years later into this thank you letter from Paul. And we get to the end of the book and he's talked about the Lordship of Christ. And he's talked about, don't be anxious for anything. And he's talked about humility. He's talked about what to fix our minds on. He's talked about suffering for the gospel. And here at the end, he commends them for their gifts. Tonight we're talking about radical generosity radical generosity. Now I know that talking about generosity might lead you to believe that I'm only talking about money, which might lead you to want to leave. So um, most people don't like being talked to about their money. Um, there's a skepticism in our culture and in our nation about people talking to them about their, their wallet and their pocketbook and their bank account. 
But I want you to think tonight, like I'm actually not even, I'm not even talking about tithing tonight. I'm talking about something bigger than just giving your money to something. I'm talking about us being a culture of generosity. Now, I don't know if you can see the difference, but I hope by the end of our time tonight that you can see the difference that our lives would be comprised of generous living, not just generous giving, but generous living. That we would be a generous people. Um, There is... uh, there's some good news and bad news about giving um, and generosity in, in the United States. And uh, I'll start with the good news. Good news is that um, the United States of America is the most generous but with money uh, country in the entire world. Um, Americans give more than $1 billion a day to charities. A total of $410 billion was given in 2017. And individuals are by far um, the biggest lump sum of this, of this giving, $286 billion in 2017. Here's the bad news though. Just over half of American households, 55%, donated something to charity in 2014. Just 55%, anything at all, like some kind of charity at all. Just over half of us. This is a big decline since 2000 when two thirds of households made donations. And on average, Americans give about 2.1% of their disposable income to charity. Again, tonight, we're not going to talk a lot about percentages. We're not going to talk about tithe, although I do believe, I do believe that it's important for us spiritually uh, to tithe. Um, But again, I I, want to talk about something deeper than just the tithe. I wanna talk about us being a radically generous culture. And we're gonna start in Philippians chapter four. And what I hope to do tonight is identify the marks of a radically generous culture. Paul writes them, he, he has them throughout these six or seven verses that we're gonna to read tonight in Philippians chapter four. He commends these people in Philippi and actually not once does he ask them for more. In fact, he's like, I don't need any more. I don't, but you kept sending. You kept, send, you, you kept sending even when I didn't ask for something. How cool of a culture is that? Wouldn't you love to be a Philippi culture? That like people are like, whoa, we had enough. We're, we're done, we're good. How, what, like that's amazing. And not all of the, not all the churches in the New Testament had that. In fact, the church in Corinth, they were like, they weren't, they weren't coming through. Um, they actually didn't give. They weren't generous. But Paul writes some things here that he, where he, he, I think he identifies a radically generous culture. And I want us to look at this. Philippians chapter four, verses 14 to 20. Paul says this, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, he gets really personal in this part of his letter. He starts naming people and naming places and it's very, very specific. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church, not one church, the greatest missionary ever, And he says, not one church shared with me in a matter of giving and receiving, except only you. What what a testimony to their generosity. 
For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desired your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 I like words. And when I was thinking about this, uh, this series and where we've gone through uh, radical suffering and radical selflessness and radical mindset and a radical hunger and radical contentment and radical gratitude, and then we're ending on radical generosity. It's sort of generosity um, derives its meaning um, from like uh, middle ages. And it actually means a one from noble birth someone who is of noble birth and of noble character. Over the last couple hundred years, it's kind of uh, shifted in meaning from noble birth based on rights and to a noble character. If someone's generous, they're noble of character. And I wanna talk about what a culture would be like that's radically generous, radically noble. And it's first that we find in the text is this, a radically generous culture is a sharing culture. It's a sharing culture. Notice what Paul said. He said, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Everyone say share. Share. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Sharing's hard, isn't it? Do you like sharing? Oh yeah. Do you? You like sharing? Um, So my wife and I, we started dating back when we were in college and um, we got married in 2007. Um, and we started dating in 2005 and uh, we were in college and we went on this date together. Is anyone dating in here? Anyone dating, dating, dating? You're dating, I like that, that's good buddy. Still dating his wife now, that's good. Uh, Anyone single and they wish they were dating? Would you have the courage to raise your hand in here? Hey, there we go, right back here, all right. Did he, can anyone, oh, oh, look at that. We've got a dating show. Right up here, you and you, you, okay. What just happened? What, is this church? I don't know what, where, this wasn't a part of the, what's going on? Okay. So my wife and I, we were dating and um, we went to kind of the fast food um, like uh, restaurant on campus. It was a fast food area. So it wasn't just, it wasn't like the buffet. Um, like the cafeteria, it was this fast food place. And you could pick one main item and then two sides and a drink, okay? You follow me? So we went and, and we're on a date together. I'm 20 and she's 19, okay? Now I naturally, I ordered like a burger and I got some fries and I might've gotten like a little Debbie and I think I got a Mountain Dew, okay? All right, I was 20, YOLO guys, okay? All right. <laughs> Now, my wife, on the other hand, at the time, my girlfriend, Amy, she went in and you know the part, girls, you know this part. So she was like, "Ah, I'm going to get a turkey sub on wheat and um, and I'm going to get a side salad 
I don't, she doesn't actually talk like that, but I feel like I need to talk like that. So I think she's actually watching right now online. Uh, this is bad. So, and, she, and, and maybe an apple. And then she, I think instead of pop, she got like one of those flavored pops. You know what flavored pop? Man, do you know what I'm talking about? Flavored, or not flavored pop, like flavored water, carbonated flavored water pop it tastes, they're, they're awful. Okay, I don't know who drinks those. My wife drinks those. So, so we sit down, we sit down together and we're having a date together and she starts eyeing my French fries. <laughs> and again, we, so we were, we were dating at the time and um, I thought that I'd worked through sharing when I was a kid. <laughs> I thought that, you know, share your toys. You know, we talk to kids all about this. And in reality, we adults are terrible at sharing. Like when I see a fork come over onto my plate from one of my kids, something rises up in me and the hair on the, my neck stands up and I'm like, Rah! I turn into a monster. So my wife looks at my fries and she was like, are the fries good? And naturally I was like, no, no, they're pretty bad. You probably don't want any. They're not good. I, that didn't convince her. She had some of my fries and then she tried my fries again. Then she tried my fries again. <clears throat> and before I knew it, like my fries are almost gone. And each time she took more fries, I'm like, I mean, I love this girl, but she's eating my fries. Sharing is tough. Like sharing is tough. And I know that when we talk about sharing, like we often, we don't even talk about sharing much as adults. We talk about it with kids. When in reality, we as adults have a really, really difficult time sharing. Pull out your wallet and giving someone something. Having a friend ask you if you can take some of your time out of your really, really busy week because you've already put in overtime. And, and then I've also got these other things that I've got to go to. And I just really don't have the time for that. I don't, I, I don't really want to share my time. Sharing's tough. Yet Paul said it was the, the right or the good or the, you hear this, the noble thing to do, the generous thing to do. Yet it was good of you to share. Another way of the, this word is translated is partner. You picked a partner for a project before. You picked a partner to be in business with. You're, you're arm in arm, you're hand in hand. You're in this together. If things go up and to the right, awesome. If things go down, you're in it, to, you're, you're in it together. If you fail the project, you both fail the project because you were partnering together and you wrote that report or that project or whatever together. Partner, sharing in someone's trouble, though, is what Paul says. Sharing in trouble. Sharing in someone's trouble is unlike any other form of sharing. If I were to simply tell you that radical generosity is pulling out your wallet or your purse and dropping some money in someone's hand, we'd be missing out. Radical generosity starts with sharing, with a sharing culture that doesn't just share financially, but it shares holistically. Paul's tone here is that he feels cared for because of their gift and their support in his burdens. I saw this happen here at our church just about a week ago. There's a life group, um, just, I love our life group ministries and, and um, there's a lot of just caring, generous, um, above and beyond people in our church. 
And there's a life group that had a couple in their group that's just been going through a lot of trouble. I mean, a, a lot of trouble, a lot of hardship, a lot of like they're back against the wall and how in the world can I possibly make it another day? Do you know what that's like? And this life group came around the, these, this couple and their group. And last Sunday, not only did they offer to help pay for things for them, not only did they offer to bring over meals in their time of trouble, but they went over to their house and they, they prayed over their house and they prayed a Holy Spirit type of prayer and power over their house and over their marriage and over their family. That's care. That's care in time of trouble. But Paul goes on and he says this. Um, he says in the next verse, he talks about, I think, an exceptional culture. <clears throat> First, a generous culture, a radically generous culture is a sharing culture. Second, it's an exceptional culture. Paul says this, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, make sure you lock into that phrase, acquaintance with the gospel. When I set out from Macedonia, no, not one church shared with me in a matter of giving and receiving. Remember this part, except only you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. I was looking at this, this word with, um, actually Jason and Ryan this week, and um, we, we noticed this word, except only you, except. And this word except is found in a word um, that we use often to denote something that's outstanding, it's exceptional. Except only you type of people are exceptional people. Except only you cultures are exceptional cultures. They stand out, they're different. They're not 2.1% of the household like what is the average across America. They might be 10%, they might be 15%, they might be 20, 30%. Oh my word, 30%? I don't know, maybe. That's exceptional, it's like standout. It's like five times or 10 times different, 10 times the amount. It's, it's whatever you need monetarily. It's people that bend over backwards to help others. I heard a story this last week, I was, um, I was meeting for lunch with someone who's here at Impact and uh, they moved here from Canada back in the summer. And he was like, you know what, you know what really um, just made us realize that this was a special place? We hadn't even fully moved here yet. Um, and I met someone out in the lobby, his name was Dennis Mora. And, and he was like, well, let, he was, and he was asking us a lot of questions about our family and about, um, you know, our jobs and moving and all this kind of stuff. And then he said, hey, let us, let me know when you're moving. Like, we'll get a group of guys to help you, to help you move. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. And he thought like, that's, he's probably just saying that. And no, he's not just saying that. He did it. And he was like, that made such a lasting impression. That, that, was, that was exceptional. That's exceptional care. That's exceptional generosity. Exceptional. Uh, hundreds of years ago, um, the philosopher, we, we all know of this philosopher, uh, Aristotle wrote about virtues and he wasn't even writing from a Christian perspective, but he wrote about three primary virtues that, that, um, that build character or that are exceptional qualities 
for human beings to show. The first was courage. You know, that, that, um, that ability to um, stand up under something, to face fear and to say, nope, not today. That word that was used um, often in the Old Testament with other leaders, hey, hey, buddy, be strong and courageous. courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Courage was the first one. The second one that he used was temperance, self-control. I, when, I, when I even read the word temp, temperance, I think of the temptation of Christ. I think of the beginning of the book of Matthew and I think of where Jesus is tempted after 40 days of fasting, he's tempted with food and he's tempted with pride and he's tempted with all these things from Satan himself. And he shows temperance. He shows self-control. And the third is this, generosity. Generosity. I wrote down, I was thinking about exceptionalism this week. I was thinking, okay, if our culture, if a culture is a generous culture and a generous culture is exceptional, it's, what, is, what would define exceptional? I thought about generosity. I thought about courage. We've talked about those. I thought about temperance. I thought about this one, hardworking. You know, just stick, getting, sticking your head down and just plowing through and, and working for something. Grinding it out. I thought of this one, I thought of selflessness. And immediately people in our church came to mind. I thought of Mary. I've got you written here in my notes, Mary. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was gonna talk about you. I think about Mary who a couple years ago felt a call from God on her life to go over to South Africa. And she's been back home since this summer raising support for a three year stint. She's in her early twenties and she's like, wherever God. Amen. What, who does that? Exceptional people, exceptional people do that. I think of Pilo and Tamara who are here with us from Swaziland. I think of, Mary, we just talked about this right before the service. I think of how Pilo and Tamara could, could go and, and work in other industries and could make other, uh, and wouldn't have to travel around asking for churches for support. And they'd probably have uh, uh, like a, a state of living or a, a quality of house or place or location or whatever that might just be, might just be a little bit better, but for the gospel. I love, Peel and Tamar, how you shared on your video how God gave you this calling and he birthed this calling through you and you've submitted your hearts to this calling to see people raised up and to see people find hope. Isn't that amazing, church? That's, that's exceptional. It's exceptional. And notice what Paul says here. He said, from the time that you became acquainted with the gospel, um, not one church helped except for you. I think something that leads to exceptionalism is acquaintance with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news, it's just defined good tidings of great joy. It's good news. That's, that's gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. What do we know about the good news of Jesus? We know John three sixteen. For God loved the whole world that he gave his one and only son, he gave. 
You see, I think when we become well acquainted with the gospel and the more that we become acquainted with the gospel, the more gracious of a people we become, the more generous of a people we become, the more exceptional of a people we become. Are you following me, church? Like when we become acquainted with the gospel of Jesus, it produces exceptional generosity. Third, a radically generous culture is accredited culture. That's what Paul says. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. <clears throat> Paul uses business language here. Do you hear it? Giving and receiving credits. In fact, Paul was likely a difficult person to give to. His language throughout this chapter is such that he wanted to be clear that he didn't need their gift. Do you remember what my bald brother Ryan preached on last week? Didn't Ryan do a great job preaching last weekend on contentment? Ryan preached on those verses just before this part of the passage where Paul says, I've learned what it means to be content with much and content with little, and I can do all of this through Christ who strengthens me. Yet, thank you for sharing your gift. I'm content, but thank you. I'm okay by myself, but thank you for coming alongside of me. Paul was a difficult person to give to. His commending them for their giving is not because he felt like he needed it. It's actually because he knew some secret sauce about generosity. He knew that such an attitude of liberality pays great dividends so he used that business, those business words, pays great dividends in the lives of those who give. It's an ROI that you can't possibly quantify on an Excel sheet. It's a percentage yield that's greater than any Wall Street fund could hope to give to its investors. He uses these words, credit and debit. Credit to add money to an account, debit to take money from an account. I wonder if they're receiving this letter and he says, I, I'm writing you and thanking you um, for your credit. And I wonder if they're like, dude, we don't have credit. We actually lost money in this interaction, in this exchange. We lost, that was a debit, that wasn't a credit. That wasn't, a, that wasn't an addition, that was a subtraction. You follow, this is really basic math. Good, we good on math, okay? <clears throat> um, it was about a year ago um, that our building wasn't completed. And uh, the outside um, was mostly the walls were up and we were getting some of the um, rooms and fixtures were coming into place and flooring and all kinds of stuff internally. And, and it was right around that time that our kingdom donors uh, came out to visit. And we had, we had lunch together and then we, we walked through the building taking a look at this place. And when we left, we walked out through these doors right out here before all the stage stuff was up. And we walked out in between here and Big B or um, Subway. And uh, I remember him turning around and he looked at the building and he started to cry. And he said, think about the lives that'll be transformed here. You see, he wasn't thinking about a loss to his account. He was thinking about a gain that you can't possibly quantify. That's a generous mindset. That's a different mindset. 
You see, I think giving falls in line with the great paradoxes of scripture. Let me just throw some of them your way and see if you're familiar with them. To become, to become great, you must become least. To show strength, you must embrace weakness. To become first, you must become last. To gain, you must give away. And so when Paul uses this term that you've been credited, they're like, that doesn't make sense math, but math wise, um, but God's economy doesn't do math well. It just doesn't. God's economy has never done math well. He takes five loaves and two fish and then it multiplies and then they've got 10 baskets left over. What are you talking about? That does not add up. I don't understand it. It doesn't work well. It's like where two minus one equals three or 10 minus two equals 15 or you subtract and it's multiplied. And I, what I'm not saying, what I, what I wanna make sure you don't hear from me today. What I'm not saying is that if you have $1,000 and you give $100, that you next week will have $1,500 for your obedience. This is not prosperity gospel. There's nothing like it. You might give $100 and next week you still have $900. But let me tell you what, the credit to your account, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, is far beyond what you could possibly imagine. God's economy doesn't do math well. And when you give away, your account is credited, yet when you hoard, your account is debited. Or rot, it rots. That's what James says in James chapter five. He's like, you, listen up all you rich people. This is what James says. He, uh, by the way, James is the brother of Jesus and he pastored the church in Jerusalem at the time. So he's writing to these other churches, writing to his own church. He's the pastor there. And he's the brother of Jesus. I mean, that's a pretty cool deal, right? <laughs> Hey guys, guess what? Jesus was my brother, all right? I mean, I wonder if he ever used that line. I would have. <clears throat> but he said, weep and wail because of the misery coming on, you, coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. Your clothes have been eaten by moths. What he's talking about is a paradox that when you hold with a closed fist your finances or your time or your abilities or your calling or your energy or your family or your friendship or whatever, that it rots. It molds, it rusts. Conversely, when you hold it with an open hand and you give it away, it multiplies. That's some kind of God math. <laughs> Fourth, <clears throat> a generous culture is a sacrificial culture. This is probably the hardest part of the text that I can't really get away from, that Paul switches from a business um, analogy to um, a sacred sacrificial analogy. And this is where giving and generosity is painful. Like this is where you gave your time away and you're tired and you can't get back that time to regain your energy. It's where you give away your money and you see that you've given away money and you can't earn that money back maybe. You gave it in faith. Paul says this, I'm, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. It's pleasing to Paul, pleasing to God. I wonder if this has stuck out to you ever before in this letter. 
up to this point, Paul says, thank you for the gifts that you sent to me. But when he talks about sacrifice, he switches the language and it's no longer to him, it's to God. It's like what Jesus said in the gospels. He said, um, you know, when I, when I come back and at the judgment seat, you know, people will ask, well, when did we hear you say, Lord, Lord? And uh, we, when did we hear you say that, you know, that you were hungry and we didn't give you something to eat or you were thirsty and something to drink or you were naked and you clothed me? And he said, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. It's not me. And Jesus, you remember what Jesus said? He said, whatever you've done for the least of these you've done to me. You see, when you're generous with your time, when you're generous with your finances, when you're generous with your life, your being, again, we're talking about much more than 10%. We're talking about who you are, God getting a hold of every part of you and you generously opening up your hands and your life to God saying, God, wherever, whatever, however, use me. That's radical generosity. And the last one is this. Paul notes that a, radical, a radically generous culture is a rich culture. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Richness. The rich effects of generosity. <clears throat> this is actually a pragmatic one, a really practical one. Is a healthier community and a healthier you. Um, we've got actually a class of, of Financial Peace University starting um, in just a couple of weeks. And maybe you're like, gosh, there's no way that I could possibly think about giving. There's no margin. Um, I'm actually swamped in debt. I would just encourage you, go get signed up for Financial Peace University. It changed, it radically changed our lives, my wife and I, um, on how we see finances. <clears throat> Dave Ramsey wrote this about giving. He said, God's desire is that we'd experience peace, the kind of peace that comes from a content heart. Amen. Remember what Ryan said last week? He said, Content, contentedness is tied to gratitude. It's also tied to generosity. It's tied to giving. You go on to say this, giving moves you to become less selfish and less selfish people have more of a tendency to prosper in relationships and in health. <clears throat> This was wild and I just like scratched the surface of this. Like I just saw the tip of the iceberg. Um, but this week I, I stumbled upon as I was talking or reading about generosity, I stumbled upon this, this site and it's uh, Notre Dame's uh, school, uh, Notre Dame University. <clears throat> and they have a part of their school that's called the science of generosity. And they had, I started to read some dissertations of like PhDs on the effects of generosity. And, um, and then I stopped because that's like way too much. <laughs> this is way too much. Um, but there is research upon research upon research, not just from within, within the church or from scripture, but from outside of the church of people that are saying, do you know what generosity does to a person? It makes them healthier. Studies are highlighting the benefits of generosity on both our physical and mental health. Not only does generosity reduce stress, it supports one's physical health, it, it enhances one's sense of purpose, it naturally fights depression, and it's also shown to increase someone's lifespan. Generosity. God knows what he's talking about when he asks us to do these things and to live rightly and to live 
nobly. It's also faith producing. I think when we, when we walk with God in a way that's like, whatever God, whatever you need, my time, my calling, my energy, my money, it's yours. Produces faith and last it's kingdom building. <clears throat> it's kingdom building. Uh, just this last year, um, our lead pastor, Jason, um, was interviewed by Outreach Magazine. Um, it's a national magazine with, uh, within um, uh, Christian churches. And, and, um, and they interviewed our church. Uh, I'm not even sure how they got our information. Um, but they determined that through a lot of our um, church planning efforts, and, um, and the way that we give as a church, that Impact Church is, within, is the, in the top 100 reproducing churches in the United States. Isn't that awesome? And look at Dan Boone. Can you tell that that's Dan? You guys can tell it's Dan, right? He's right there front and center. He's right, that's right. Sherry, is Sherry there? Where's, oh yeah, yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Um, there's, three, there's three things that the Outreach Magazine um, kind of highlighted for churches across the US. One was largest churches by attendance. One was fastest growing churches and the other was reproducing churches. And I just wanna say, not in a way that's filled with hubris or arrogance, I am so proud to be a part of a community that's a part of the top 100 reproducing churches. Like, that, that, our, church, that our church is thinking about the other places, that our church is thinking about Eswatini, that our church is thinking about our community, that our church is thinking about other communities, that our church is thinking about a network. Did you know that our church, from the time that we were planted in 2003, 2004, that every single season we've given 10%, 10% of our income to church planning? Even when we went through the first campaign, and added over at 1070 North Hudson. Even when we went through the second campaign and added again over at 1070 North Hudson. Even in the last few years, when we've been building this facility, we're still staying true to being a generous people, a reproducing people. Um, I'm gonna ask for Tamara and Pilo. Elam Pilo. I get it, buddy. No, you're just laughing at me. I didn't really get it. Okay, that's like a courtesy laugh. No, this is pretty bad. <clears throat> I want to give you some action steps toward generosity this week. And the first is this, orient your life to create margin for generosity. Some of you, you don't, it's not even thinking about how much you could give right now because you're maybe a couple steps before that. Yeah, come on up right on up here. Um, you're at a couple steps prior to that. And you've got to take some time today or tomorrow to orient your life and your schedule, creating margin for God to work. When you're too busy to say yes to something that God's asking you to do, how can you be generous with your time? How can you create margin? 
Second is this, consider a personal benevolence fund. I, I want not just consider giving more money to the church, consider setting aside money that when you see needs, that you would meet those needs yourself. Um, my wife and I have done this recently where we've set aside money to, to look around our community and we don't do this indiscriminately, right? It's not just like, hey, you get $10, you get $10, you get $10, hey, you get... Okay, we're using... You're, this doesn't mean you throw judgment or wisdom out the window, okay? That's not generosity. The third is this, plan and follow through with volunteering your time. Maybe your time is just for yourself. And this week you need to start considering how you could think outside of the box to give of your time. The fourth and fifth, I'm just gonna say shamelessly for the sake of my brother and sister up here, the fourth and fifth are these, give to the Valanis and give to AOH. Don't not give to impact. You can actually just go and do it yourselves. Okay, you can just go and do it. Like you could go and do it now. You could go to the link. Um, the Valanis need um, about $450 per month more than what they have. That's about five to $6,000 a year. I would love I, this would just be really cool. I would love that by the time that they leave home, that they're fully funded. Would that not be awesome? Yeah. Would that not be awesome? And the other is give to AOH. Their, their goal is $30,000. Um, we, can, we can post some of that information on our, on our Facebook this week as well, or take a picture or note it down. Um, write it down, note it down, something, whatever that just meant. But I want to close today by um, having um, Pilo and Tamara share just what the partnership has meant to you guys um, living in Matabugeni. Uh, Pilo, you grew up in Sogo, um, and you got to see some of these care points birthed. Um, just share a little bit about what that's meant to you to see um, this partnership and to see hope come into students and kids' um, lives. You do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, I, um, we got married 2015 and we moved to Eswatini, which is now my new home. I always say I'm Eswazi now. <laughs> yeah, um, listening to my husband's story, um, like he mentioned in the video that his mom passed away when he was 12, and it was just him and his sister who was only two years older than him. And um, the sister who unfortunately died because of HIV and AIDS, because she would go out and um, date older men, so that she can make means for the two of them so that they don't go to bed on an empty stomach. And the partnership that Impact has brought to our community is just so amazing because these are my husband's words. If the partnership was there during their time, him and his sister, he believes that his sister would be still alive today. So we're really so grateful. We're we thank God every day for the partnership that you have with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Good evening, everyone. Um, <laughs> just like my wife has shared, uh, I lost my sister to HIV and AIDS because of she was trying to make means for her little brother, that was me. And I couldn't stop her because we really needed food. Because it's common in Eswatin, more especially in the community of Nsogo, the child headed homestead. That it's either through dead or the parents have gone to look for jobs and they never come back home because whatever they're getting, it's not enough. Hmm. So the partnership <laughs> between Impact and Eswatin is, I don't know how I can express the need and the great impact that impact is making <laughs> in the lives of those kids. Uh, I always make an example that like, it looks like we're just feeding the kids and discipling them, but we are saving them from many bad choices that they can make every day. So being here, standing here in front of you today, it's a great joy to me because now I see the generous church that is saving lives. Mm. while taking the gospel to the other side. Mm. So thank you so much, Impact. Well, as we close today, um, I want to have uh, uh, Pilo tomorrow, I want to have you guys pray for us. And I want us to pray for them. Can we do that, church? Um, and if you want to extend a hand, um, just symbolically representing like we are with you, we are for you, collectively as one, we're praying over you and we're with you um, on this mission. Um, I love that God's church, the, the church of Jesus Christ is just bigger than nationalities, it's bigger than languages, it's bigger than time itself. Um, and uh, we are just honored to have you here as brothers and sisters today. So, um, Pilo, why don't you pray for us, and then I'll pray for you guys, okay? All right. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful, Father, that mm -hmm. you are so good to us. Mm -hmm. Your messes are made new every morning, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, I'm praying right now for this church. Lord, it's your church. Yes. Yes, yeah. You know each and every one of them. I pray, Father, that you continue blessing them. You continue adding more and more in what they have, Lord. Father, be with them, protect them, guide them every day. Protect their families. I pray for the leadership of this church that has the heart to take the gospel all over the world. Lord, I thank you that you have the people of your heart here, oh God. You have your hands and feet here in this building. Lord, may you bless them. Continue strengthening them. Continue giving them wisdom and understanding, Lord. Father, continue blessing them each and every day in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen. Amen. And Jesus, we just lift up our brother Pilo and 
our sister Tamara to you and we lift up their ministry ambassadors of hope and the students that they are bringing hope to. Uh, God, we, we lift up this next generation of leaders that they are raising up, that they're pouring into. God, we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would raise up a generation of leaders in Eswatini that change the culture, that live out lives of purity and live out lives of holiness and live out lives of leadership, that live out lives of, of grace and of, of love in that community, in that culture, in that country. God, we pray for that and we pray that it would start um, it, would, it would start it with AOH. God, that you would give Pilo and Tamara just strength and grace and fortitude as they've devoted every part of their lives. They've put everything on the line for the gospel of Jesus to see this next generation make it, to see this next generation rise up. God, thank you for their generosity. Thank you for the way that they've been generous with every part of their lives, every part, their calling and their talents and their gifts and their livelihood and their family and, their, and everything, God. And God, I just pray that, that we would be a church that they could just surround them and, and embrace them and support them. Um, God, thank you just for the partnership that we have. Uh, they are dear brothers and sisters. And God, we pray the Holy Spirit's uh, power on their ministry right now, God, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine in the powerful and precious name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, Impact, yeah, yeah. Give it up for the Ronnies one more time. <clears throat> yeah. Impact, you are now dismissed. Um, if you want to stick around and talk with Pilo and Tamara and get some more information, again, you can go to those websites to, uh, to find out more about how you can support them financially. Um, be blessed. Thanks for coming tonight.
said I'm 